Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovation Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Michelle Molitor about overcoming imposter syndrome to rebuild trust in self and others. Michelle Molitor, welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Jonathan. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you back. We chatted, what, maybe three, four months ago, um, had a really great conversation. Today, we're going to extend that. We're going to continue our dialogue. And today, we're going to focus on imposter syndrome. Um, We're going to talk about overcoming imposter syndrome. It's such a common thing. So many people really wrestle with it. Uh, And how to rebuild uh, by overcoming imposter syndrome, how to rebuild our trust in self and in others, and how we can do that not only in our personal lives, but also within the workplace. Um, because I think so many people really do struggle with imposter syndrome, especially when you find yourself in a new role at work. Um, you're in a new leadership capacity. You're taking on a new project, a new challenge that you've never done before. I think it's only natural that we question ourselves. Uh, and perhaps, you know, to a certain extent, it's healthy because it's good to have some humility. Uh, it's good to to recognize, you know, we need to continually be learning, but that healthiness can quickly turn to uh, unhealthy, uh, you know, kind of ruminations when we just get sucked into feeling like we're just an imposter and we, we, we can't do anything right. And we're just fooling everybody and we're not being authentic. And like all that stuff that starts to pile on uh, all of a sudden, then that becomes very unhealthy. And so we definitely need to figure out how we're going to manage that. As we get started, I wanted to share Michelle's bio with everybody. Michelle Molitor is the founder and CEO of Nectar Consulting Inc. and co-author of the best-selling book, Breakthrough Healing. She works with executives and entrepreneurs bringing more than 25 years of expertise, intuitive insights, and strategic business savvy to their success. She is an expert at enhancing the capacity of leaders to build high-performing teams and exponentially increase bottom line results. Michelle's unique rapid rewiring approach is a culmination of years of study in the realms of emotional intelligence, neuroscience, organizational psychology, and rapid transformational therapy. She helps catalyze shifts in thinking and eliminate mental and emotional blocks to rapidly rewire your brain for greater confidence and success. A nationally recognized speaker, certified executive coach, rapid transformation transformational therapy practitioner, consultant, trainer, and writer, Michelle's passion for helping others amplify their natural talents and expand their leadership is conveyed through all aspects of her work and her writing. What an incredible background. You do such amazing work. It's great to have you back. Uh, anything you would like to share with listeners as, uh, by way of your background before we launch into the conversation? Sure. Well, this whole topic of imposter syndrome is kind of near and dear to my heart simply because it's it's something that I, I lived through. Um, in my former career, I was a creative director in web development and high tech. And 
um, had been moved to San Francisco at the height of the dot-com boom back in 2000, dating myself a bit, but um, it, it was a great ride until um, there was a couple of folks that I hired on my team, two, two gentlemen who I hired for my team, who made it abundantly clear to me that they didn't really like working for a woman. Mm. And their, their comments, their actions, their behaviors all um, very quickly chipped away and eroded at my confidence and created a very large case of imposter syndrome. And oh my gosh, and who am I? I'm a fraud. I'm going to be found out. And ultimately it led me to getting fired. And it was a super painful experience, Jonathan. Um, it really, it shook me to my core because I had spent, you know, the first 10 years of my career trying to figure out, you know, how do I get to the corner office and create this level of success? And I thought I had finally gotten there only to, you know, fall off um, my idea of who I saw myself to be and I didn't know who I was anymore. And so I hired, I, I discovered coaching to help me figure out what to do next. And in the process of being coached, um, discovered my, my true calling to become a coach. So I changed careers, started my company, Nectar Consulting in um, 2001, and have been doing it ever since. And I've been on this quest to, to find out and to understand what creates confidence, how to, why do some people seem to be really confident and others don't and um, have really gotten deep into the neuroscience of, of how our brains work and how our emotions work and, and how that rules us and, and moves us through the world. And so um, helping people reclaim their confidence, overcome this uh, imposter syndrome, feeling like a fraud and who am I? And I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment um, is really a, a deep seated passion of mine. And I really love the work that I get to do in the world, both individ with individuals and with organizations to help them rebuild confidence and to take their lives and their success to whole new levels of, of joy and satisfaction. So it's a, a blessing to be able to do this work. And I'm excited to be here with you to talk more about it with your listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I think, I think we can relate. I, I think most uh, listeners um, can relate to the whole imposter syndrome element and we've all felt it. And I, I actually question anyone who's never felt imposter syndrome. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe you're a little bit, uh, uh, maybe you need to do a little bit more self-reflection. Like I said, to a certain level, it's healthy, you know, to, to recognize that we're in over our heads a little bit, that we don't really know what we're doing, and that we need to continue to learn, to grow, to lean on the expertise of those around us. All of that is necessary and healthy. Uh, where it becomes problematic is when we just really die, where we just get overwhelmed by it and where we just feel like we can't do anything and we listen to the naysayers or we, or we allow the negative self-talk in our own brains to take over. And instead of allowing, you know, this realization that we don't have it all figured out to push us towards continual growth, we, we allow it to, you know, to just really pull us down. And so right. um, that, of course, we don't want that to happen. And I think like in academia, I'm, you know, I'm a scholar practitioner, I, I'm a, a university professor and consultant. And in academia, uh, it's super common. Uh, you hear about it all the time, uh, especially 
unfortunately, it, with um, women in academia or people of color in academia, I think they deal with it even more than, you know, a, you know, a middle-aged white dude like me uh, experiences it. But, you're, you know, there's a really high level of expectation in terms of the research that we do, in terms of the expertise that we're supposed to have. And so it's a very common thing for people to feel like they suffer from imposter syndrome, um, even though oftentimes... You know, if I'm doing a particular study or if I'm going to a conference to present on a particular study, I'm probably the, the one in the room with the most expertise on that specific niche thing that I'm talking about. Uh, that doesn't mean I know everything, but in that one specific area, I probably know as much as anyone else or more than anyone else. And so it's okay to have the confidence. It's okay to, to, uh, to recognize that, no, I do know what I'm talking about. We don't need to give into the negative voices in our head. Um, so, I, you know, finding that balance, I think that's a hard thing for people to, to have some humility, some intellectual humility, but also have, you know, enough confidence to be able to move forward and to not get stuck in place. I also think I, I contrast it with, you know, on the one hand, you have like this, the insecurities that manifest through imposter syndrome. On the other hand, you have the insecurities that manifest through people beating their chest and like, acting like a peacock, right? They're running around trying, like all this faux confidence. They're trying to act like they know everything they're doing and they're overcompensating for the for their insecurities. And so um, the, the, that's also unhealthy. So we're not proposing that you, no, like, it, you know, I've never, I've never liked the term, for example, fake it till you make it. Um, you know, I, there's a certain level of truth to it. Uh, and as it relates to imposter syndrome, you know, yeah, you, you know, we all are, building the plane while we're flying it. Nobody knows exactly what they're doing. Um, exactly. but, we, but we also, we want to strive for some authenticity and we don't, we don't need to pretend like we know everything and we don't need to put down or belittle other people to try to make ourselves look better or to feel better. Um, you know, that's just a flip side of the insecurity coin and we don't want to right. go there either. And, and unfortunately that's just human nature. Right. Um, but I think the key word there, Jonathan, is often being authentic, right? Authentically being yourself and bringing the knowledge that you have to the table um, and sharing that with others and knowing that we, we don't know what we don't know about the things we don't know about, right? There's this little tiny sliver um, of what we know, and then there is a much bigger sliver of what we know that we don't know. And then the whole rest of the pie is, I have no idea that I don't even know what that is, right? <laughs> so um, when you can stand in that perspective, it's much easier, I think, to, to be humble. The, the challenge is, is the programming that we're raised with, right? Um, it's the the environment that we grow up in, good, bad, or ugly, right? And I work with people with all sorts of levels of trauma, but it's that that soup that we swim in as a child that informs us how we have to move through the world to be safe, right? Um, you have to be, be perfect. You have to have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted because if you're not, you're bad or wrong or you won't be loved or whatever. And it's those very fundamental needs that we all want. You know, you look to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We all, we all do need those things. And if, if, um, your love is conditional as a child based on your performance, then it 
creates a whole host of coping mechanisms, right? Um, that moves you through the world. And at the same time, it also helps you become the strong, resilient person that you are. And you have to start to look at the shadow side of that to see what parts of that are not serving me. Am I overworking? Am I being a workaholic? Am I being a perfectionist um, that is actually getting in the way of someone's happiness and fulfillment and well-being? And so it is a fine line and a balance. Um, you know, I'm a I'll I'll admit it, I'm a recovering workaholic, and and recognizing that my need for perfectionism and, and working all the time was a way to avoid feeling the things that I didn't want to feel, um, feeling inadequate, feeling not enough, feeling like you didn't have it all together, feeling like a fraud. And so if I just kept moving, right, um, I, I used to lovingly refer to myself as a whirling dervish because I was always spinning plates and spinning tops thinking, well, if I just acted busy enough, right, then I would be enough. And then I would be able to prove myself to those that I thought I had to prove myself to that I was good enough, right? And what I found through my years of study is that um, being enough comes from the inside, not from the outside. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, I, I really love that. And that's an important point. Like our innate value is not uh, determined on the external environment. It's not uh, determined by others around us. And we don't need to qualify for anyone's love and acceptance. Uh, people are people. And so sometimes people make their love and acceptance of you conditional on certain things. That's their issue, though. That's not your issue. And so when we can, like you said, when we can learn to kind of set those things aside, all that stuff that maybe you know, was part of our upbringing or how we were socialized in different organizational contexts or whatever, set that aside, recognize that, that we are lovable and should be loved. We're worthy of that love, regardless, um, that we are enough that we, um, that we bring in that value and that we can just tap into our own self-worth independent of anyone else. We don't need anyone else's validation. Um, when we can do that, 
then we unleash ourselves to be able to yes. just be authentic and to just be able to do the work that we're meant to do. And that doesn't mean we're going to, of course, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall flat on our face from time to time. And, and sometimes, we, you know, we may even be quote unquote found out as not like knowing what we're doing. But you know what? No, everyone else is doing the same thing. Like nobody knows right. exactly what they're doing. Everyone's trying to figure it out as they go. And so we just learn to accept that and acknowledge it. And, you know, I, I talk with a lot of people about innovative organizations and creativity. If you want to unlock innovation and creativity within your organization, you have to create a psychologically safe environment where people yes. feel free to quote unquote fail, but it's not even failure if you frame it's it the right learning, way, it's just right? learning, it's iterating, right? it's learning, it's, and it's trying new things and it's experimenting, right? That's, ex, it's experimentation. And so yeah. when we can just recognize that's what we're all doing all the time and just recognize the need for, you know, a continual growth and abundance mindset that we're going to continue to grow into ourselves, then it takes away a lot of those insecurities that, you know, I think most of us have, it's, it's a human thing to have those insecurities, um, so Michelle, what, what do we start to do to unlock that? Like, how do we start to overcome the, the imposter syndrome? Um, because imposter syndrome really can be, it, it really can suck the, the soul out of a, a person. It can suck the soul out of a team. Um, and it can really degrade trust, uh, and the ability to rely on other people and for them to be willing to rely on you. So how do we start to overcome that? and rebuild yeah. the trust with ourselves and with uh, the people around us? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And it's so important in, in an organization, right? In order for everybody to be rowing in the same direction, you have to trust that the guy next to you is gonna be able to keep up and, and, and is it gonna be able to meet you, right? In different ways, shapes and forms. And so the, the very first step is is taking a look within your own self and start to notice what's the conversation that you're having in your head with yourself. Is there, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. I don't bring value to the team. Is there any of those kinds of um, limiting beliefs happening within you? Um, because you can't, you can't do anything to correct it if you don't think there's a problem. Right. And I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people all over the world, right? And nine times out of 10, there is that underlying belief system in place of to some degree or another of I'm not enough. I don't belong. I'm different. Um, I don't provide value. I'm not worthy. Some Somewhere along those theme songs, right? And so just by recognizing like, oh, well, that's an interesting conversation that I'm having with myself. Is that really true? No, it's not true. And so starting to tell yourself a new story, right? As we said earlier, the, the environment that we're raised in is what creates that foundational path of how we're going to show up in the world, right? And all of that gets, um, pleasantly or unpleasantly uh, programmed into your subconscious, right? Into your neural pathways in your brain. And so by simply starting to tell yourself repeatedly throughout the day, put notes around your house, put it on your phone, put it on your bathroom mirror, I don't care where you put it, but tell yourself, I am worthy. I am enough. 
I do provide value, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, right? Because as you do that, your brain likes repetition. So the more you tell yourself something, the more true it becomes for you, good, bad, right, or wrong, healthy or unhealthy. So if you've been telling yourself, oh, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, that's just the neural pathway, the go-to pathway in your brain. So you can change that, right? Neuroplasticity shows us that, that you can rewire your brain. So telling yourself these new thoughts is the first step in getting you there to build, rebuild your self-trust. Yeah. Right? And can I just comment on that? Because I mean, we, we see caricatures of this, like the old Saturday Night Live skit where the guy's looking in the mirror and he says something like, I'm loved, I'm enough, and everyone likes me. Or right. do you remember that? Like, yes, so you're it, you're good looking. Yeah, I so, like you. You're smart, right? It's true though. Talk to is, yourself yeah, so in the, the mirror. So, it makes a huge difference. So we we joke about it and we there's caricatures of it, but positive self-talk does make a difference. Like it actually really does. And yeah. especially, especially, and you probably don't like we think it's cheesy when we talk about positive self-talk. Nobody really question. I mean, so many people walk around kind of muttering under their breath, negative self-talk, or they have stuff going on in their minds all day long. Like, and that has an impact. Nobody questions that. So why do we question that if we can just change the narrative in our mind and how we talk to ourselves, um, that it could have a positive impact. And, and sometimes it means looking in the mirror and just having like a, a positive, some uh, positive affirmations of ourselves. A heart to heart ourselves. with yourself. In yeah. The and that's okay. And it doesn't need to be cheesy and it doesn't need to be a joke. Like it's serious and, and it really can work. And, and here's the thing why the negative self-talk is so easy and so accepted, Jonathan, is because it's what's familiar. I mean, if you think about it as a child, how many times do we tell children, no, no, don't do that. No, don't touch that. No, 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 no. So that negative Self-talk is already programmed in at a very young age. It's what's familiar. Your brain likes what's familiar. So the unfamiliar is the place that feels a little uncomfortable and a little weird, right? So when you're talking to yourself in the mirror, like, wow, you are enough. You are beautiful. You're brilliant. You're talented. It does feel a little funny at first because you're not used to necessarily receiving that kind of positive feedback, especially from yourself, right? And so the more you do it, the better it feels and the better it feels, the more you do it, right? Um, because the more you do something that feels good, that positive self-talk, um, it actually creates little bursts of dopamine in your brain, right? Your happy chemicals. And, and so it becomes a new neural pathway of, oh, this is a place to go to instead of the old pathway. And eventually you can literally overwrite the tape completely and then yeah. it just disappears itself, right? Yeah. It's amazing. Well, and you know, I used to feel weird about this, but I, I I can't remember if we mentioned this on the podcast last time I was talking with you, but I I think listeners who listen frequently, you know that I have dogs. I walk my dogs. I love walking my dogs around the park. Um, and I find myself when I'm walking my dogs, either talking to them as we walk or talking to myself uh, as we walk. And I'm talking out loud. Uh, and I used to feel goofy about that. Like, that's so dumb and people are going to see me and what are they going to think? And over time, I just kind of let go of that. I'm like, who cares? Um, and so I just, you know, talk to myself and of, about all sorts of things. And maybe that is weird. Maybe I, I've got a screw loose in my head. But honestly, I don't feel like now that I've kind of let go of that, like external expectation of people might think I'm weird. 
I find it to just be a really healthy thing. Like I go out and I just, um, I can just do self-reflecting as I'm walking around. I can, I can kind of mentally steal myself up for like an upcoming meeting that I'm nervous about, you know, like just those positive self-talk types of things, or just, just kind of working through a scenario out loud to myself with my dogs. Uh, and, and maybe it's the emotional support element of having dogs there with you. I don't know, but, uh, but I found it to be quite helpful, uh, for me. And it's just a simple exercise of just, just being able to have that conversation. And, and over time, I, I've learned that, yeah, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I make mistakes. Yeah, I don't always know what I'm doing. But you know what, things really aren't that bad, even when I don't know what I'm doing, and I can get through this and I can learn from the the, the experiences that I have. Absolutely. You know, one of my, um, one of my very first uh, coach trainers, way back when, um, his I, you know, I have such great high regard for him. And the name of his company is it's all made up because it is, if you think about it, everything's all made up. We assign labels to things. This is a lamp. This is a computer. This is a microphone, right? But before the microphone was invented, it didn't have a name, right? And we created this thing and we called it a microphone, right? And so if you can start to think about the assessments, the assignments that you're giving to things, the judgments that you're putting on things, right or wrong, good or bad, true or false, right? Then you get to question it. Is that true? Is it really, really true? Because if it's not, then you can let it go, right? Yeah. It's all of those judgments and assessments um, and labels that have been put on things for so long that it's just part of society. We just accept it as true. Um, but you get to choose for yourself. If you want to call it something different, yep. if you want to call yourself something different, then that's the thing to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, the social construction of reality, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun field, uh, to, to really look into and to learn from, uh, well, Michelle, it has just been a real pleasure. I, I really love chatting with you. The time has flown by. I recognize we're just about out of time for today. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance about your work and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, sure. Um, you can always find uh, me at nectarconsulting.com, right? Uh, we talk more about the team development and the employee well-being programs we have there, or come visit me over at michellemolitor.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-M-O-L-I-T-O-R.com, um, where I talk more about the one-on-one -on -one work that I do with folks. And there you can get, uh, you can download my latest free ebook um, on imposter syndrome. Do you have imposter syndrome? Six triggers that are crushing your confidence. So I'm happy to have a discovery, a complimentary discovery call with folks if they're curious to know more. And happy to be of service if I can. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, to find out more about what Michelle can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. 
we will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.